We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're not done here, Vince, because we have a mailbag to get to. Yeah, there's some so we're gonna questions get... in here. Yes. And I may so let's start... start a couple that you may not like, so you're more than welcome okay. to uh, unstar I will check those. them out. Basically, I saw a question mark. I was starring it. Yep. Keith Wiegand says, do you guys fault the upperclassmen for the letdown in the second half? I, I, I really kind of get frustrated by this constant use of fault. You know, because it's like, let's go blame everybody. I mean, it's partly the veterans. I don't. You know, it's partly them. It's partly coaches. It's partly young players. I mean, there, there's nobody that doesn't have fault. Everybody's got to play better. Right, I would say absolutely. anytime, anytime, Keith, that you your team struggles, I always say if you're going to look for fault, if that's the thing you're looking for, um, I would say you always look top down, right, for me. I always look top down. Coaches, yes. captains, absolutely. veterans, starters, depth i mean there's a hierarchy so right there's got to be the and that's it the and it's a it's a hierarchy of accountability keith yes you know it's for me so Absolutely. yeah and that's and that's kind of what we talked about earlier too and my issue is just with the word fault we just to kind of throw that around like fault 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 but i yeah. get where keith is coming from that's why i want to address the question is you know that there did there did there did need to be some veteran that stepped up in the second half and said hey guys calm down we got this let's go make a play oh you know what right. better yet i'll go make a play <laughs> right and we just didn't really see that and so yeah, yeah i mean that's got to that's got to be better but the thing is we've seen that in recent games again it's not as simple as just say hey bad game and move on that's like right. fanboy stuff but right. there is something to that now that doesn't mean you don't learn from it and address what went wrong and fix what went wrong, but also sure. you don't overreact to it. Like people say, oh, Maris has got to go. Did, did you not watch the last three games? Right. Like they're not, yeah, if, they're, exactly. if they're, if they were playing army or air force next week, I'd say, dude, get him out of the lineup or put them on yes. the edge. Right. Like, yep. you know, like you can't do about that. that on Saturday, but, but they're not, they're not, they're not playing a triple right. option offense. They're playing an offense. that's going to look, look, look a lot more like the last three offenses he played where he was really good. Because so, they know how to use them right. in that kind of a defense. And yeah. we as fans got to be better about that too, Vince. Like the coaches aren't overreacting. Otherwise, they just they'd have 49 different starters this year if, if they if they reacted as much as we did as fans to bench this guy, bench this guy, bench this guy, bench this guy. What it is is 
get better. Don't make that mistake again. You've got to do a better job of making sure you're doing the work going into the game, communicating during the game, and somebody's got to step up and make a play, right? right? We see that on special teams all the time. You know, I mean, constantly happening in special teams. Yes, well, sir. That's why I say it's coach driven, it's leadership driven. And that's something we got to see more of in those other those other groups. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next question from Phantom Mojo. The receivers made Pines first half. Most of his passes weren't accurately thrown. The receivers made good adjustments for the catches. I don't agree I, with that. I would disagree with couple. that. There's some. Yeah. Look, Brayton Lindsay the, made two really nice catches. The one that was right. really high, and then obviously the one on right. the guy's back. Which the one no that was really doubt. high, he was trying to throw over a guy. And right. then the one deep, yeah, I, I want to see him get rid of that ball, but there was also a free rusher coming free off the backside that didn't get picked up, and he ran away from it, which is partly why. And then the, the other one was the one that was bad was uh, the first seam to Jaden Thomas where he turned him around. If he just throws that ball two more yards to the left, Jaden catches that, he might crease the defense and go for a touchdown. Sure. Other than that, I mean, I, I, first half, I don't think his passes were – I mean, the two the, the end cut to Deion Coles, he was right on the money. The pass to Audric Estime was right on the money. You know, I thought he had he had several throws that I thought were placed well. There's a couple yes. times he turned guys around because he needed to turn the guy around because of where right. the defense was coming from. So, um, the and the pass that he threw to Jaden Thomas was a thing of beauty for the touchdown. I mean, that wasn't Jaden Thomas. Jaden Thomas made a great catch on it, but he made a great catch of a great Look, ball. It was right here. I mean, it was right, right over the here. safety too, man. Yeah, I mean, beautiful throw, gorgeous throw, beautiful throw, and. And this has nothing to do with you, Phantom. Nothing at all with you specifically. I just find it funny to me because I, we've been doing this for so long that somebody's actually giving props to the wide receivers because <laughs> that know, never right. happens. Right. <laughs> never happens. So I appreciate right. that part of it. Look, not every no quarterback's ever going to have perfect ball placement on every throw. It's just when you don't think a guy can play or a guy has a bad game, you start looking for more things to get pissed about. And that's what I think happens. Well, now let's go back and look at his great first half and find every little fault and every little flaw and say, well, he didn't really play that well, you know, and, and the receivers, no, he played really well because receivers can't, can't save you if you don't throw the ball. Right. Exactly. That's football. Sometimes you're going to make the perfect throw to give your guy a chance to make a play. And sometimes you're going to be a little off target and the guy's yeah. got to make a great play that happened to John Elway, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. Sure. You know, I mean, that's part of the game. 
So I, I, I think it's misguided to take away uh, from the strong play that Drew had to just dismiss Agreed. it as Agreed. the receivers bailed him out. Did the receivers play great? Yeah. Which is awesome. But what have we been begging for for years? What did we always beg Ian Book to do? Just throw it up and give the guy a chance. Right. That's part exactly. of being a quarterback. This isn't going to be a perfect throw. I don't have the perfect angle to make this throw. I'm just going to give my guy a chance to go make a play, and he's going to go make a play. And Brayton Lindsey did. Jaden Thomas did. And you'll love to see it. Arrow five twenty asks, uh, "Why do we see a lack of runs of ten, plus, ten lack of runs out of ten and eleven personnel? I do not see the production for the backup tight ends consistently to warrant the amount of playing time they are receiving." Thanks. Well, number one, uh, I agree with you. 10, they will never run ten personnel. Well, they have this year, but it was like third down, two minute, right? They're yeah. just you're right. They're not taking Michael Mayer off the field. <laughs> Well, there's a time and a place for it, as we've talked about, because sure. if you need to give them a breather, instead of bringing in the number right. two tight end, bring in the you know another bring in a wide receiver or running yeah, back. I would always whatever. say I'd rather go twenty personnel 20. instead of ten yes. personnel with the lack of depth of this receiving core, just from the number standpoint. But the sure. point remains the same. He's just simply saying from the spread per- yeah. so from the spread looks, why don't we see more running? What you have to understand about the backup tight end, I don't agree with this. I'm just explaining. So this isn't a justification. This is me just trying to help you understand why they do it, even though you and I probably agree that it's not ideal. The production they're looking for from the tight end is not pass game production, which drives me nuts, but that's the reality of it. They're looking for run game production. And we saw great run game production the last two games because of tight end blocking is a big role. Tight end blocking Mm -hmm. stunk on Saturday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you don't all of a sudden say, Mitch Evans, give me your scholarship, get to the back (laughs) in line because you stunk against Navy. Because he pl- blocked pretty well the two previous games, right. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, at some point in time against better teams, they're going to have to figure out a way to get the number two tight end the football. Yes. I, I strongly, strongly agree with that. How long have we been there's saying no, that? There's no question about it, right? But all I'm doing is saying, so I'm not disagreeing with you, Arrow. I'm just simply explaining what, what they, how they view it, how the staff views it. Uh, but I, I agree, even in theory, even if even if the production was there. I do think they're overly 12 and 13 personnel dominant. And to a degree, you got it Saturday. Here's the thing you have to understand about Saturday. You didn't have – you were already limited on scholarships at receiver. Joe Wilkins quits before the week, before the game, and Tobias Merriweather's out with a concussion. Right. You're a little limited on what you can kind of do out of those looks, right? So, agree with you. I would like to see more runs out of that. Definitely, especially with the way this offensive line blocks, but that's just not who they are. So I just they're a very 12, 13 personnel dominant team. And yep. and it kind of annoys me, but it's been that way for three years, really. Especially in 2020 and 2022. Uh, especially. Yeah. Christopher Galloway, do we see more of Prince Collie against Boston College, Vince? Depends on the injury to JD to be honest with you. I think if mm-hmm. JD is back in a healthy manner, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Prince. Uh, but if he's out, then yes, I think you're going to see some Prince Collie just from a, he's kind of the next man up, right? He's going to be. We're going to see him as much as we saw him before right. the Navy game. Right. As part exactly. of the rotation, but he's not replacing Sparse. Maris. And I kind of think that's kind of how I took the question is okay. more of like, are we going to see him? Re- I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm no, no, no. Yeah. to the context of what I what I think he's asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chris, yeah, if yeah. I'm Chris, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Yeah, 
I think Vince, part of the question is sort of a reaction to how bad Marist played against Navy. Got you. No, he's not replacing Marist. But, but like you said earlier. My, my question for you, oh, since yeah. you were critical of Marist, yes. do you think it should impact how much he plays against Boston College? I do not. I okay. do not. I, I think that he should play because that's the defense that he's or that's the off. Those are the kinds of offenses that he's good at. And I was even more critical of Marist even going into the game. And Brian and I kind of sparred about it a little bit, you know, after the fact. That's part of the fun, right? What's I, up? I have 100%. People criticize that you, oh, you don't disagree with me as much. I think so it was great. When you actually were disagreeing, I was like, oh, I'm I'm turning into this kid because this it's is going to be fun. turning into this kid. That's great. <laughs> so you and I, I said it during the pregame show, this is not a game where I even want Marist involved. I, I was not happy to see him on the field. Now, because you lost JD, I feel like that impacted – some of the things that I would have wanted to do, but at the same time, that's just not a game, in my opinion, where Maris is going to be good. And mm-hmm. he he was even worse than I anticipated that he would be. Number one, I think he was playing out of position if you have to play him. Because I agree with Brian that if you have to play him, you play him on the outside, not on the inside. That I totally agree with. Right. 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 And you were limited numbers wise. And so you kind of had to do what you had to do. And I get that part of it. But this is not I, I told everybody going in, this is not a game where Maris is going to be super successful. Not inside. Not, not inside. Not. Yeah. And yeah. so he is successful. They have learned how to use Maris playing against, you know, normal First offenses. Normal now. And he's more right? comfortable. Absolutely. In, in, in he's more confident. Teams, yeah. He's more comfortable. That's where he needs to play. And so, no, it, this game is a is a – how do I want to say it? This is a in, a in a in a vacuum, right? This is a vacuum game. There are some good things you can take out of it. There's some stuff you can take out of it, but that does not affect my depth chart before or after the Navy game. It is a game played in a vacuum. That's why we saw certain guys in the past play really, really well against Navy on defense and never really see the field again, right? Because it's just, it's in a vacuum. It's just such a weird offense to play so yes i continue with my same rotation that i've always had barring injuries here's one for you vince from michael porton thank you michael very much (laughs) i wonder what you're gonna say mcnamara wants to transfer to Notre Dame. is he a take i feel like he'd have he'd 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 be great to have in the quarterback room vince i have very strong opinion on this and i'd very very curious to hear yours on this i am not a huge fan i do not want him in the quarterback room i don't think it would be something that you would want to do (coughs) Um, i i am not for it he is not a take for me if i have any say in the matter so let me ask you this, Vince. Is that because of what you saw at Michigan or partly because he decommitted from Notre Dame? What are the what are the reasons I, why you would – and, and answer – if you feel both of them are there, answer yeah. them separately. Okay. What about him as a player makes you think he's not, not – and again, I don't disagree right. with you. I'm just trying sure. to get more out of you. Why <laughs> would you not want him to be uh, in the room? Let's so assuming trying- it's either it's, – it's, it's him – or nobody will be my next question. Mm-hmm. So right now, just in, in theory, with no context, why would you not want him? And then my second question is, if he was the best option, what would your thoughts be? So twofold, part yeah. one is, what is what are your concerns? And then we'll get into the second one. So my concerns are, number one, he didn't want to come to Notre Dame in the first place. And that, that, that weighs on the situation. That weighs on the opinion for me. Uh, it just does. Okay. The fact that he went to Michigan 
yeah, whatever that, that people make mistakes in their life all the time, you know, and it's always a mistake to go to Michigan. So I can, I am big into second chances, so I'm okay with that part of it. But the fact that he turned down Notre Dame and decommitted from Notre Dame and to do that, that's a different conversation for me. And is that being petty? Fine. But that's where I'm at with that. Now, as far as him as a core, if it's him or nobody, okay, then that's a conversation that I'm going to have with him because I think they do need to bring somebody in. I do. So what are your issues with this game? Right or, or or do you have issues with his game? Because all so far, all you've talked about is the he decommitted thing, which is sure. very fair. I mean, <laughs> right. big part of my thing too. So the, please don't take that as a criticism, yeah. Vince. It's it's an honest question. What is it about his game that you don't like? Because I actually have some interesting thoughts on that. I honestly, to and, I, and this is being the most honest that I can possibly be. I don't remember specifically watching his film when he was a recruit. Uh, it's, I've watched so many films since then that I cannot differentiate, to be honest with you. I remember that I wasn't all that impressed with his decision-making and his gameplay when he was at Michigan, but I didn't watch a whole lot of Michigan. You know what I mean? And so right. by my You're not a instinct, masochist that just watched something you <laughs> yeah, hate. I, I guess. Exactly. My instinct is that I was not impressed when he played at Michigan. And mm-hmm. is he really going to be a huge upgrade to that quarterback room if he comes to Notre Dame, right? They need a number. I, I still think they need to bring somebody in. I'm not saying they need to bring in a guaranteed starter that's super, super duper good. Now, could he push somebody? Yeah, he could push. He'll he'll be competitive in the room and all of those things. But from what he did at Michigan, I wasn't all that impressed. That's what I'll say. So obviously the Michigan thing for me is a problem. If if it's there are and there are better there will be better options out there that I would prefer. I more. agree completely. If the option is him or nobody, I would definitely bring him in. And, and I have a couple thoughts on that. So okay. the interesting thing is, and part of the reason I, I think that Cade was not as successful at Michigan as he could have been and should have been is because they turned him into something that he wasn't. Okay. Cade was a gunslinger in high school. He was a run around, like, you know, throw, you know, off platform. You know, he was he was that kind of guy. And that's actually why I, I like I didn't love him when Notre Dame got him, but I liked him. Okay. Is because he had a little bit of that gunslinger to him. You know what I mean, Vince? And 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 I and I thought he yeah. was a kid that could could, you know, he was you know, he he, he had some Baker Mayfield to him. Okay. You know, yeah. I mean that's that's really what he had. He had some Baker Mayfield to him. And and you know, there were times at Michigan where when they let him play a little bit, he was pretty good. You know, I think of, uh, gosh, was it Michigan State? He just ripped Michigan State up. I mean, they ended up losing that game, but he ripped them up. I mean, he came out uh, against Penn State early and, and and ripped them up a little bit. He had a lot of success against Maryland last year, you know. And and then they would have games like the Ohio State game where they're just like, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. And, you know, that's just kind of who he was. Like, you bring in Cade McNamara, he's not, he's not a guy I'm handing the job to. I would think that Tyler Buckner could beat him out or hope they could beat him out. But he also, he already, he also gives you a, a veteran presence that I think if you turn him loose a little bit, sure. would actually fit into Notre Dame system a little bit better than he fit in the Michigan system. And he had, he is a kid that led his team to the playoff, you know, much in a similar fashion, the way Ian book led his team to the playoff where he was a, a part of the puzzle, not the, or, you know, he was a, he was on the bus. He wasn't necessarily he wasn't driving, driving the bus. It. Yeah, right. He'd take his sh- he'd take his turns. You know, it's his turn. You know, 
Ian had yeah. those games. It was like, okay, Ian's stepping up and it's it's his time and all that kind of thing. You can keep saying, same person keeps saying pass on Kate. We get it, right? We said that, but we're also now addressing. It's a different question. Is it, if it's yeah. nobody or him, you can't take nobody. And so you're addressing it that way. So that's kind of where I would say. I just think that the that what it would do is, is if he gets beat out by Buckner, which I think he would, he'd give you insurance. Yeah. But the concern there, Vince, is he's leaving Michigan because he doesn't want to be a backup. Because he doesn't start. Exactly. And that's... He decommitted from Notre Dame because right. he was worried about the competition in the room. Right. That's probably the thing more than anything yeah. that – it's not even that. It's not even that he decommitted. It's why he decommitted. That is a bigger concern for me. Yep. I and so that's kind of why I would hope that there are better options out there. And me too. and I know there will be. Like I'm not high on Brendan Armstrong at all. You know that I am not on the Brendan Armstrong train. I would take Brendan Armstrong over Kate McNamara. I would because I think at least he can kind of run around and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so um, good questions, Vince, and and I and I we're we're pretty much on the same page. I, the only reason that I would be a little bit more open to it if that was the only option is just because I do remember watching this film, which is sure uh, you oh, said. Yeah. I mean, you admitted like, and this is a kid in high school, Vince, that threw for over twelve thousand yards and one hundred forty six touchdowns. I mean, there you go. You know, uh, he he was a gunslinger. He was a shotgun gunslinger. That's just yeah. what he was. Yeah, ERO would have that. Admit, yeah. ERO with mailbag follow-up. I would love to see our big receivers blocking the other team's DBs instead of the tight ends on linebackers. Instead of tight ends on linebackers. I would love to see our big receivers blocking the other team's DBs instead of the, I mean, you do see I mean, that. it's not really an either-or kind of a thing. You, you I think what, No, that. I think it's what he's saying is like the 10 versus 11 yeah, is what he's right. saying is like he'd rather see like, you know, three, four receivers on the field and have then force that team to go to their nickel look and then having – you know, Lorenzo Styles blocking a nickel as opposed to Mitchell Evans blocking the third linebacker that they're bringing right. in because they're in 12 personnel. I think it's where he's coming from. So in that instance, there is a little bit of an either or. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, but look, I, I think both of them. It, to me, it's not either or, it's both and. Right. The problem right now with, with Notre Dame is it is an either or. And so, like, e, e, Arrow and, and Tommy Reese kind of have, like, this it's an either or proposition, and you yeah. and I are in the both yeah. and yeah. category. Absolutely. And that's that's where I would like this. to see more. A little bit of that. And, and and I am somewhat sympathetic to it because they don't have great numbers and one of your your most talented players can't catch the stink of football. Yeah. And and it's it's right. checked out mentally half the time. Right. And then it, it, so and I mean and then you, you got couldn't go 10 personnel under you couldn't go 10 personnel against protocols. Navy, yeah, right. exactly. You couldn't go 10 personnel against. Yeah. I mean, you literally have right. to put every healthy receiver you have on the field. Right. So, yeah. Um Nine nine one ninety nine eleven Brian Ward could twenty twenty three be two twenty again? So, I'm guessing you're referring to Notre Dame being a playoff team. Yes, from a success. I would hope that Notre Dame. Look, I'll say this. That's what I took from it. Notre Dame better be better in twenty twenty three than they were in twenty twenty if they want to be a playoff team. Let's be real about the twenty twenty season. Let's be really real about the twenty twenty season. You're going to talk about the schedule. There's a reason. That was not one of Brian Kelly's three or four best teams. No. Not even close. And the reality is, is the COVID year helped them a ton. Mm-hmm. Because outside of Clemson and North Carolina-ish, they played nobody. And then when you played Clemson, as we pointed out, 
you were in a situation where they were missing several of their best players, including Correct. the eventual number one overall draft pick. Right. That year they played two and nine Duke, one and eight South Florida, three and six Florida State. Right. Game four. Uh, you had the Wake Forest game canceled twice. You played four and seven Louisville, who you beat by five. You played six and five Pitt, who you smacked pretty good. Like that was a pretty convinced. That was a fun game to watch. You beat three and seven Georgia Tech. So so far, one team with a winning record. You beat Clemson, who again, that, that was a good win. I don't take anything away from that team, but you have to be honest and admit they were missing several of their best players. And when you played them later with those guys back, they smacked you. You have to be honest about that. So that's two teams with a winning record. You played six and five Boston College, who you beat. Soundly, which is, you know, again, good win. You beat eight and four North Carolina, good win. And then you beat one in 10 Syracuse. So you played 10 regular season games, right? And you played four teams of the winning record. Two of those teams of the winning record were six and five. (laughs) So, you know, you're not doing that against next year's schedule with Clemson and Ohio State and USC. You're just – you're not. You're not facing that schedule again. Yeah. If you're going to look at it from a, a result standpoint, then possibly – we were talking about this earlier. I think it was – it. I don't think we were talking about it on the air. I don't know if you are talking about it during the show or not. It all kind of blends together. Yes, it does. But I, I do know I was talking with Sean uh, Davis about this, and I said, you know, the interesting thing about next year is – it's important to get a quarterback for next year, whether it's Tyler Buckner stepping up or if it's getting a portal guy. Because if you look at around the country, Ohio State's going to have big personnel losses. Now, they're going to reload, right? But still, you know, not having C.J. Shroud's not as, you know, and they're going to be game four when Notre Dame plays them. Clemson's right. going to suffer a lot of losses on defense and offense to a degree. You look at USC is going to still be pretty good, but they're going to lose some dudes. They're going to lose – some of their skill players are going to go pro. Some of the guys transferring are going to go pro and stuff like that. And they'll still get Caleb Williams back. Mario Williams will be back. They'll still be talented. You know, but, you know, you look at a lot of the other teams in the schedule events and they're losing a lot of guys. You know, I mean, so it's it, it, in looking around the country, Georgia's going to have big losses again. Bama's going to oh, lose yeah. Bryce Young and they're barely winning with Bryce Young. You know, I mean, you, you look at a lot of the teams around the country, they're going to lose a lot of players. And, and it's there for the taking if you have the right kind of team. Right. And I really believe that if Notre Dame can figure out the quarterback position, whether that's Tyler Buckner or a transfer guy or whatever the case may be, there's going to be a lot of talent coming back on offense. The offensive line should still be really good. They're yes. going to lose some key guys on defense, but they're still going to be really good. It's going to be a lot like that 2020 team to Brian Ward's question, we're like, man, how are they going to replace, you know, Julian Aguara and Khalid Kareem? Well, it's, they're going to be fine because they've got Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiji stepping up, right? Or 2021, how are you going to replace Ogandiji and Dalen Hayes? They're going to be fine because they've got Isaiah Foskey and, you know, these other guys stepping up. So I think they're going to they're going to have a shot, Vince, if they can figure out. So Because, like, just going into next year, they don't automatically figure out the things that made them so inconsistent. That just doesn't automatically get fixed. Right. It requires the coaching staff to identify what caused that and then address it. But if they can address those things and find a quarterback, even if they have a lot of guys, like most of the guys that can go pro, go pro, then this team's got a chance, especially just a couple guys in the portal. 
I think this team has a chance because I think this team is going to be very fast next year and very skilled. Yes. And if the quarterback is what I hope it's going to be, they got a chance to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. They really do. But there's a lot of ifs there, though. That's there's the thing. A lot right? of as of right now, as of right. right now, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of ifs. Yeah. All right, Matt. Matt, a two eleven GT. I love that name, by the way. In the car. I am one of the biggest Reese critics, but I would love to see him with an elite QB. Do you feel that he deserves a chance to stay with a first-string quarterback? Well, he had a first-string quarterback. His name was Tyler Buckner, and they didn't look good with him. I'll say this, Vince. Whatever you feel about Tommy Reese, this isn't necessarily a, a, a praise of him per se, but we saw last year when Tommy Reese has a veteran quarterback and – good offensive line play, he can dial up some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that. We saw that against Florida State and later in the year. When the offensive line plays okay and and he's got a veteran quarterback that can execute what he's trying to do, he can he can put some stuff together now. Now the question is, is can he develop a quarterback on his own? That remains to be seen to a degree. Agreed. But – you know, that's kind of why there is some optimism, depending on who they get at quarterback, man. Like, you know, look what he did with Jack Cohn in the second half of last year right. when they took the shackles off and the offensive line finally started playing well. And that's and key. there's a chance this team could have even deeper talent than that team had. Definitely to be better up front. Yes. So, I mean, does he deserve? I mean, he deserves what the head coach tells him he deserves. You know, my thing is, is I, I'm not saying they should fire him, shouldn't fire him. That's not our job. What I'm saying is, is if he's back next year for his choice or somebody else's choice and they get the right quarterback, Vince, you know what I mean? This Absolutely. could this could be something, dude. You agree with that? I do uh, very much. I was <laughs> responding to one of the people in the chat. He said, when is Brady Quinn going to have a son to recruit? He has all daughters. I know, right? So that's never going to happen. Right. <laughs> Freaking Brady. Come on, dude. Uh, Keith Wiegand says, if Kaiser is healthy, the linebackers should be Kali, JD, and Kaiser. Maris was horrible this week. I mean, again, we, we talked can't about make that. all those overreactions. I mean, yeah. Exactly. It, this you're is a vacuum game. This is a vacuum defense game. that has nothing to do with the defenses you're going to face. Right. Because here's the deal. Maris was tremendous against Clemson. Correct. You're going to, you're going to, he's one of the reasons against, you won that game. Right. You're going to bench him against Boston College, who is a lot like Clemson. Right, because of how he played against Navy, who's not at all like Clemson, who or Boston College or anyone else that you would play. I, I mean, Keith, I, I don't disagree that he wasn't good. I just think the reaction to it is is just unwise. Yeah, John absolutely. Erickson with a super with a question. I haven't seen you in a while, John. Brian and Vince, what was your take on Coach Freeman saying if you choose to be honored on Senior Day, you are not coming back? At least that's what it, he didn't say it like that. I mean, he, he, he it was close. Yeah, but, I mean, but, he but no, no I'm talking about the intent. Yeah. The, the intent, like that makes it sound like if you choose to go for senior day, you're not welcome back. That's right. how I take John's question. That's not yeah. what he said. What he's saying is guys that have told us they're not coming back next year, fifth year guys out of eligibility. If there's a veteran, it's like, hey, I'm going pro. Right. Then, you know, like Isaiah Foskey may have told them when he's coming back, hey, guys, I'm coming back for my last year, even though Isaiah has another year of eligibility. You know, he's done after this year. Is kind of how I took that, yeah. because what you run into is you have a kid who's a senior, but he's a redshirt junior, and right. he plans to come back next year. Right, you're not going to do senior day twice. And and there's guys, Josh Lug. This will be his third senior day. Yes, and it's right. and it's to me that cheapens it. 
like senior day is supposed to be special. It's your last in, time running out of the tunnel. Correct. In theory, it should be the, your last home game, right? right? I mean, that's the point now, of senior day. Right. Now, if Cam Hart goes out for senior day on Saturday because he thinks he's going to leave and decides in a month he wants to come back, I highly doubt that Nerd's like, nope, sorry, you went, sorry, you went out for senior day. I don't think that's the – what I'm saying, I don't think that was the intent of it. Right. You know, like if – if um. It's Isaiah Foskey right, decides he wants fact. to come back in a right. month from now but thinks he's leaving now, you know. And honestly, if I'm telling a kid, I would rather you err on the side of do it and then change your mind and come back than a guy who says, no, I think I'm coming back, and then doesn't go through it, and then a month from now realizes, like, hey, I'm leaving, and then he misses out on that senior day opportunity. It's just more of the guys that know they're not coming back. So I, I didn't take it, Vince. I didn't. I didn't take it as an ultimate. Not a, it's not as a punitive ultimatum right. type situation. Right. It's and that's kind of how I took and John may have not been asking it that right. way, but that's kind of how I took John's relaying of right. And I'll, I'll just Coach use Freeman the Josh Slug example again, right? He knew he was coming back, and yet he still had to participate in senior day. And it right. this is its third time. It just it cheapens the moment. And that's not what senior day is supposed to be about. Right. Okay, let's get down to Milton fan 15. Brian, Navy seemed Taylor, Navy same seemed Taylor made for Chris Tyree. What do you think is the reason for such limited reps? I think this is simple, Vince. They went into this game basically thinking we're going to run our game plan that we've been running. This is one of my biggest criticisms. We're going to just do what we do. Not really respect them. The past game, Tommy does a really good job of saying we're going to attack who you are in secondary. In the run game, with the exception of a couple games, they've been very much just a this is who we are, this is what we do, yeah. try and stop it. Yeah. And that's not what they did against Clemson. Correct. They they did that in philosophy, but the way they went about it was very creative and very mixed. And and they just they just tried to regurgitate that, a watered-down version of that against Navy, and it just didn't work. So Correct. Uh, I think it's that instead of saying, hey, we're going to use Chris Tyree for this, 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 or this. He's just dead set on we're going to be a duo team, and Chris Tyree is not a duo back. And, you know, I mean, if he's going to be a duo guy, I'm, I would rather Chris Tyree not play than keep hammering him inside of the middle of duo. I'm serious. Right, that's just not yeah. – Because you're not doing that kid any favors by having him do that. Right. So it's not what he does best. So here's, here's one I'll have you – address this one, Vince. Uh, Reese's inexperience is showing because he doesn't have a number one quarterback. He hasn't shown the ability to call the game for Drew uh, if things go south. How would you coach uh, him to fix that? Because I have an opinion of this, Vince, but I want to give you a shot to, <laughs> to address well, this I mean, first. For me, I don't care if you have a quote-unquote number one quarterback. Your number one quarterback is the guy that you're playing. So you have to be able to play to the strengths of your quarterback. And yes, that takes time. And that takes, you know, learning your guy and all of those different things. I guess my issue is the consistency as far as knowing your guy. Like, it felt like he knew his guy early on when he was playing North Carolina and a couple of other games where they had right. success. And it's kind of dipped. And then it's kind of yeah. risen. And then it's kind of dipped. And it's right. And, that's and that plays into the question for Matt is yeah. uh, call it when things go south. Yes, right. and, and and you have to know your guy, and you have to know what he does well. You can't overanalyze what the X's and O's tell you. 
You right. need to be better at knowing what your right. quarterback is telling you. That's my and, thing. And you want to know why Notre Dame didn't run more screens? Drew Pine has not shown he's a very good screen passer. He's thrown a lot of inaccurate passes on screens this year. Yeah. I mean, so we can complain about it. And I think there's, but my thing is there are some screens you need to find ways to do, but I mean, has he struck you as a really good screen passer this year? So in some ways, I mean, he is doing that, but it's kind of like in some game, we've been very critical of Tom Maurice at times and I don't take back any of it, but I also don't want to get into the habit of just hammering him just to hammer him. Yeah. Right. And, and so, some of the stuff he's convinced was, dude, you ran a crossing route against a zero blitz. That's junior high stuff, Vince. Like, that's high school stuff. I mean, at at, at the at, at least high school stuff. Yeah. Possibly even before. Hey, they're blitzing everybody up the middle. Throw the crossing route behind it. Yeah, you're going to take a hit, but get that sucker out. He did that earlier in the game to Audric Estimate and went for a 30-yard touchdown. I mean, when your guy's not doing that, when your guy's not doing simple things like pull and throw the quick outcut, not a whole lot you can do. Nine yards off the ball. What? 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 What am I supposed? To, it's kind of like what we said last year, when people were critical of the 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 game plans and the run games. Like when your dudes can't block anybody, there's only so many things you can do. My line can't run block. Yeah, but you need to call this play. That, but they can't run block. Yeah, but you need to do. But Still they need to can't run, run the ball. Block. You need to run right. the ball. Right. Establish but they the can't run. run block. They're getting their butts kicked. You know. There's only so many things you can pull up, guys, before it's just kind of like, hey, man, um, you know, it's just not it. We have a super chat from SB, and he did have a question to, to, to go with that. Appreciate you, SB, very, very much. Given how poorly Kyrie and Tobias have been utilized, why should I be excited about the talent coming in next year? Well, a couple things. This is a different team, number one. Number two, they're going to have no choice but to play the young guys next year at wide receiver. He, they are playing Tobias. I mean, he well, was, it was just way too late. Game. I get it was that. Way t- absolutely. Right. Uh, but again, if we're talking about progress and baby steps sure. in the past, he doesn't see the field until next year. Right. Right. So, I mean, he saw the field halfway through the year and it was way too late. But at the same time, he is playing now. And if he wasn't injured against Navy, he would have played again. So baby steps in the right direction. You should still be excited because there's still a bunch of talent coming in. And right. the talent will rise to the surface. And they're not going to be so tight end heavy next year. They're not going to be That's so builded true. around Mitchell Evans or Eli Raritan or Holden Stace the way you are, Michael Mayer. And especially if you have a different quarterback, I mean, different quarterback situation could change that as well. So um, why should we be excited about it? Because it's college football, baby. You should always be excited about what your Absolutely. team is going to be next year. And you should always be excited to see the talent that you're going to see on display. But there's just there's a lot of reasons to think it should be different. Will it be different, SB? I don't know. I can't tell right. you that. I hope so. But I, I think so. Some conversations I've had makes me think so. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how pudding, it goes. Man. We'll, we'll see what happens in Ireland, right? In person. Yeah. Right, Brian? There you go. That's right. That's right. I'll be there. I don't know about you. It's expensive. Those trips are expensive. <laughs> Leave me behind. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> I just act like this is a Tim LaHaye book or something. Uh, Milton fan <laughs> with Super Chat Vince, dust it off. I don't know what this means. Vince. He wants me to do that voice. He wants me to do that yeah. caveman voice. There's no need for it today, my friend, but thank you for the Super Chat. He's It'll really come eventually. Yeah. He loves See, it. See, we're Milton just milking you for it. Super Chats, Milton fan. That's why, because you keep asking <laughs> for the caveman, and as soon as he does it, we don't get any more Super Chats from you, man. Come I on, have now. to be in the right mood. I have to be Got super frustrated, baby. You know? Gotcha. <laughs> SB says Vince, I get not reviewing the defensive film, but isn't it concerning the game plan was so bad? 
I thank it's you for this. It's not question. concerning until we go to so, Ireland next year. Right. Well, and here's the thing. You're not you don't need to review it with the players. You need to review it with the coaching staff. In the offseason. In the offseason. That is absolutely accurate. I'm not saying burn it and never look at it again. I'm talking about Well, you did say that Saturday, but it was hyperbolic. Well, because you don't burn film anymore. If you do that, you're like <laughs> burning true. it. Like, dude, why is the computer on fire? I'm burning the film. You do know it's on the cloud, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, burn it all down. I got to burn the cloud and everything. No. Burning the right. server room. just goes up in flames. Uh, but no. What good the movie Glorious Bastards, that's very dangerous. To burn film. <laughs> yes. It doesn't do you any good to show it to your players. But as a coaching staff, 100%. 100%. But that's not what you're doing right now. That is an isn't it concerning? Situation. It's is it concerning, Vince? Yes, it's concerning, yeah, but it just absolutely. doesn't matter until you go to play in September to play Ireland next year, right? And that's what I say they've played ten games. There's been eight games where I felt the defensive game plan was at least good. Yes, it hasn't agreed. been great often, but it's been good. Right. This was a unique thing because it's such a unique offense. Oh, Irish and Ohio, Brian, not throwing shade at Dante Moore, but take the names away from the film. Minchie looks just as good, if not better, than Dante. Never thought Dante's film was five-star worthy. Well, I mean, look, I did. So if you don't, I mean, there's really – we're just not going to see eye to eye on this. <laughs> uh, Dante's not had a great senior year, but I'm sorry. Dante Moore throws the ball as well as anybody in the country, in my opinion. And I I get that he did Notre Dame dirty or whatever. I Look, I'll put it like this. My issues with Dante Moore, my concerns about Dante Moore and whether or not he's going to be a bus Vince, you know where I'm going with this. It has nothing to do with his ability to throw the football. Mm-hmm. It's up it's here and right here. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and is he going to be willing to be his own man? He's One of two things is going to happen with Dante. He's going to go to college, experience the freedom of being his own man, and thrive. <clears throat> or he's going to go to college and it not happen that way, and he's going to really struggle. But when you just talk about putting the film on and spinning it, I love Kenny Minchie, but Dante's just better. I'm sorry. Dante is just a really talented player. Uh, does that mean it's, again, it's kind of like the running back conversation, Vince. I don't know that Audric Estime or Logan Diggs are individually as good as Will Shipley, but he chose to go somewhere else and they got two really good football players that complement each other you know? very, very well. So fine. Fine. Yeah. I'm happy that Notre Dame, if Notre Dame gets Kenny Minchie, I'm going to be very happy about that. But I'm also not going to get into the thing. And, and I'm not saying, Iris, know how you're doing it. I, I'm taking you at your word that you genuinely believe Kenny Minchie's better. That's cool. I'm talking about me here, so please don't take this as a cut at you. I'm not going to change my stance on Dante just because he didn't come to Notre Dame. Again, Iris, know how, that's me talking, not projecting yeah. onto you. I am I believe you think that Dante's not that good. There were people, Notre Dame fans, that didn't think Dante was that good when everybody thought they were going to get Dante. That's totally fair. But just for me personally, it, I'm just not changing my mind because of that. Dante's really flipping talented. If he can get his head on straight, then he'll be a heck of a player. If not, he won't so, live up to expectations. I just hope his his uh, advisors stay in Michigan. If that happens, that's he might the have a one shot. thing that gives me. I'll say this: I do think Kenny Minchie might have a higher floor <laughs> than Dante because he's really smart. Yeah, he's very mature, and he comes from a much better. He's got a much better foundation surrounding cast and yes, the whole thing. Parents and people are yeah. coaches and stuff around him. Right. Uh, so I will definitely go there. I will definitely go there. But upside wise, Dante's just a more physically gifted player. It's not by a country mile. Again, I, I think I think Kenny Minchie's a top hundred player. I've I've literally advocated to have him ranked in the top one hundred, and he is. 
on SA99, which is the the one rankings platform I have a, a hand in, you know, helping right. hand in putting together with John Garcia Jr. and some other people. So, you know, I think he's a heck of a player. I just thought Dante was a top 10 player. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Milton fan 15. How exciting is it to see such leadership in the other underclass underclass? I mean, if it pans out, it's real exciting, but they haven't really had an opportunity to quote unquote lead just yet. I mean, there's potential there, right? I think there's a lot of potential there, but just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're a good leader also. So mm -hmm. I think we need to tap the brakes a little bit on the amazing amount of leadership that's in the underclass section, but there's a lot of potential there. So course it's exciting it's it's one of the reasons i love college football is it's just so cyclical it's like you know a group moves out another group moves in and you get to whole another group of people and i it's i love it so much more than the nfl for that reason alone so of course i'm excited about the new guys coming in and the young guys that are here already but they may not be good leaders we don't know that yet and so it, it is exciting to find that out but we're at notre dame so there's probably some pretty good leaders in there but mm -hmm. again, we just haven't seen it yet. That's all. Yeah. Show me business, baby. 100%. All right. Spark 5219. Is it a correct assumption that opposing team coaches are making a better adjustment for the second half than our coaches? In some games, yes, that's definitely true. Not in all games. It's not like Notre Dame has the worst coaching staff out there and they're just out, out towning people every week. That's not necessarily the case. I think that at times they have been out schemed in the second half and out adjusted in the second half and sometimes they're not they're just on execute right. or sometimes like against north carolina i thought they were just fine in the second half against north carolina until they got a big lead and they lost focus this team has shown that it loses focus when it gets a big lead that's what happened against navy and yeah. it's not so simple that oh they scored two touchdowns in a row let's figure it out guys let's get our heads on straight it, it's once that thing starts to roll it can be really hard to really overcome tough, it yeah especially <laughs> when you lack the team maturity to not get there in the first place right it's hard to just snap that thing back on right jason rose hey guys i uh kind of thought tyler buckner was hung out to dry when he was in there they were asking him to do be the focal point of uh, while he was getting his face beat in wasn't fair to him in my opinion agree with that completely i do think there's a couple plays there's several plays that were on tyler but sure. overall i think there's a lot of merit to that jason what do you think vince no, I think that's absolutely accurate. I think there, I can pick out a few plays in the top of my head right now that if he hits them, they beat Marshall, for example, right? And and we're having a different conversation. But I think the the opinion that he's yesterday's news and you throw the baby out with the bathwater at this point for Tyler Buckner is the absolute wrong take to have because mm -hmm. he was not put in the best position to succeed overall. Now, there's stuff that he missed. Don't get me wrong. He was not perfect in those games, right? But there was... He's still a valid contender for the starting position next year and can be very, very good behind what I think is going to be a very good offensive line as well. So he's still in the mix, people. Like, he's still in the mix. He still has the opportunity to be a very good quarterback at Notre Dame. He's not yesterday's news, and I want to stress that. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. Besides Joe Walton, Isaiah Foskey, who has been the best O lineman and best D lineman in your in, in your opinion this year, and why? You want me to go first, Vince, and then you think about it, or do you have a couple I, I, queued up well, already? Defense, I'm going Jason Adam Lola. I mean, I, it's for close. Me, for me, him and Howard Cross are close. Okay, yeah, that's fair. 
That's but I'm fair. going with Jason consistency, and then he didn't yeah. miss games. Yeah, that's but, fair. I mean, too. Howard was their best defensive lineman the first three games of the year. Also true. Yeah. As far as on the offensive line, I mean, Blake Fisher has become a man-child, uh, and I really like watching him. I mean, they're, they've got the two – they're going to have the two best tackles in college football next year if they don't yeah, but, yeah. already this year. Okay? Yeah. So I'm very excited about those two. Uh, so I, I will actually – I think – I actually think that Blake Fisher has been more consistent, believe it or not, than Patterson has been. So I will stick with the other tackle. Well, yeah, um, I gave mine on the defensive line. The offensive line-wise is kind of funny. It's because it depends on when you're asking. Like early yes. on, Patterson yes. wasn't good, but then he's been really good lately. Yeah, Zeke Carell went through about a three- or four-game stretch where you could argue he was their second-best lineman. You know, uh, Blake was great. I mean, you could argue Blake was their best lineman against Clemson. Um, I think I'd, I'd probably I'd probably go with one of the interior guys, either Patterson or Zeke, over Blake, just because Blake's been very inconsistent. But when Blake Fisher's on, he's really good. He's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Josh also asked own. Vince exactly, and he's a true sophomore. I mean, he's, right. he's oh yeah, he's coming along. I have to keep he's reminding myself that Joe for Alt a lineman that Fisher. matters a lot more than it does for a wide receiver. Because you got to remember, back in the day. I mean, not even that long ago, true freshmen and true sophomores don't play, but these guys are that good that they're playing and they're playing at a high level yeah. and they're kind of coming into their own at this point too. Hey, Meikenberg was a as juniors. You consensus all American and a three year starter, but he didn't step into the starting lineup until his third year. Blake Fisher right. stepped into the starting lineup the first game of his career. Right. Something Quentin Nelson didn't do. Right, exactly. You know, so, so. They're only going to get better, which is scary. Yeah. It's a scary proposition, but I, I'm here for it. I mean, I'm excited. Here's an interesting, Vince. This is also from Josh. How do you guys feel about Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech? Do you have a take on this one, Vince? I mean, he was a de- he was a pretty good quarterback. I mean, it, I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed. If I'm being honest with you, I never thought, man, I wish he was on our team. So right. as I watch him play, and I. I, I watched him in preparation for the Notre Dame games, and I watched him in the Notre Dame games. Nothing I ever saw said, that's a guy I want. It was, oh, he's pretty decent at, at, at Georgia Tech. He could probably, you know, he can help them out. But, no, I, he doesn't really do anything for me as a transfer to Notre Dame. Ryan loves Jeff Sims. Really? And, yeah. From I think NFL because the, the, the issue with Ryan is, Simon, an issue. Ryan is a scout. And scouts tend to focus more on tools. So he sees athletic, big arm, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, but I see a guy that doesn't really read defenses all that great, isn't very accurate, and doesn't produce. You know, so it's like, I just, I don't see it with him. I really don't. Not in this offense. Like, there are certain offenses I'd like to see that kid run, but not this offense. Yeah, so no, I agree. He would not be on my, he would not be on my radar at all. Here's the last one from Josh. This is a good one. What quarterback from the BK era would have this team 10 and 0 or 9 and 1 at this point and why? I mean, there's a lot of them. I was going to say that's kind Everett of a big Golson, yeah. Malik Zaire, Deshaun Kaiser, Ian Book. This is going to sound funny. Tommy Reese, yeah, yeah. Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book. Here's the yeah. thing about Ian. Ian was not Ian, you do not lose to Marshall if Ian Book's your starting quarterback. You do not lose to Stanford. And and the thing is is I would say normally you can't beat Clemson, but you threw for 85 yards and beat Clemson this year. You wouldn't have needed Ian to beat Clemson. 
he could have done exactly what Drew did, but he would have Absolutely. he would have beat he, you don't beat Ohio State. You're, there's Ian Book is not on nope. the ten and zero list. Nope. Uh, Tom Maurice is not on the ten and zero list. They're on the nine and one list. Brandon Wimbush may be on the ten and zero list because when Brandon was on USC twenty seventeen, Michigan twenty eighteen, he made that offense really good. It's just when he yeah. was off, it was like oh my, oh my goodness. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser in twenty fifteen, this team might be ten and zero. Deshaun Kaiser in twenty sixteen, this team is six and four or five and five because there's no leadership at quarterback. At Malik Zaire ten and zero, Everett Golson ten and zero. In my opinion, is that your computer saying I, yes? Yeah, it like this. yeah, it's my computer. It's not like, my ten year old computer. Uh, so I would also say, and I agree with some of the commenters. I think Jack Cohn. I think this team might be ten and zero with Jack. Cohn. Oh, nine and one with Jack. I think because the only reason I say that because the offensive line didn't play great against Ohio State, he'd have had some of the same issues he had okay. last year where he'd have got knocked around a little bit. Okay. All right, that's the only. But it would have been a much. It would have been a very competitive yeah. game. Yeah, and Notre Dame that. would be sitting there in the top five because their their loss would be a yes. competitive loss. Yes. They'd have smashed Marshall. They'd have smashed they'd Stanford. Be in, they'd be in the and they would have. For they'd have beat Clemson five. by two, three more touchdowns. Yes, yes, hundred percent. But I feel yeah. that about several other guys too. Yeah, yes, no, Jack I, Cone, I think yeah, that's a good is, one. Yeah, that's I a good one. I I don't know why I forgot about Jack Cohn, but you are spot on about Jack Cohn. Yes, yes, good one, Vince. Arrow says, what control does Notre Dame have over their ACC games on the schedule? They are playing Wake and Clemson right at, right after playing Ohio State and USC next year. Going to be a rough, tough four weeks. Uh, number one, um, I they have none. I mean, it's already been set. Yeah, it's been set to like 3035 or 2035. Like yeah. It's set way like, yeah, in it's, the future. Yeah, it's um, they really don't have any. They have control over when they play like Ohio State and teams like that, but they don't really have control over those other things but the other thing about like wake forest wake forest isn't gonna be the same team next year no you know and the other thing too is they have a bye between ohio state and usc so they'll have time to rest and regroup and get ready for usc and then you know wake forest is just not that same team no honestly i don't really doesn't and i i mean i'm not overly worried about wake forest if they played them this year to be honest i think notre dame wins that game because i think they blow up Mm -hmm. that slow mesh but at the same time, you're yeah. right. They're not going to be anywhere near what they are this yeah. year. I think they're going to have a bye between Notre Dame, Ohio State, and USC. They have a space there now, but they have to fill four games in. But they still have two dates in between. Um, they have they have dates in between Tennessee State and Central Michigan. They have dates between they have a date in between Ohio State and Clemson or USC. They have a date between USC and Wake Forest, and then they have two dates in between Stanford and. Clemson. So, and they have four teams to fill. They have to figure out when they're going to play Duke, Louisville, NC State, and Pitt. Now, the reality is, is I believe that the the ACC has a lot to say on when that happens. Yeah, I'm sure they have to kind of work around the ACC schedule. That's the problem, mm-hmm. and that's something I wish Jack Swarbrick would start taking more control over if he's able. I don't know if legally, contractually, he's able to, but if he was, I wish he would do that because I'm sick right. and tired of the whole. They're purposely scheduling bye weeks. The entire conference almost purposely schedules bye weeks before they play Notre Dame. And you know what? You guys have lost 29 Fine. freaking Go straight games it. in a row of the ACC. You might want to rethink your bye strategy. Go for bit. it. And yeah. I just, yeah, let's put to bed. Let's In the offseason, let's not talk about how unfair it is that teams have buys yeah. before the Notre Dame I don't game. think it gives them a competitive advantage. It just no. annoys me because they think it gives them a competitive yeah. advantage. <laughs> 
And so do the Notre Dame fans. They think it right. gives them an advantage right. too. It's not fair. They've like, won 20, was it 28 or 29 straight 20, games? 20, well, they, it was 27 going into Clemson, I thought. Is it, or was it 26? It was 26. So 27 straight regular yeah. season games against the ACC. Right. So, yeah. And Clemson had a bye before Notre Dame played him this year as well. Yeah. It didn't work out really and, and And Dabo said it was the best two weeks that they've had all season. Right. So that practice. And the, several players have said that. Like, look, we thought coming in the game, we were ready. <laughs> we were ready for this. They weren't right. ready for this. And then they play Louisville, and you're like, oh, that's right. We're in the ACC. And I think the ACC is much improved. But it's not a physical league. Right. It's not. And Notre Dame's just a different animal, which is why Notre Dame has dominated the ACC outside of, you know, in the last four or five years outside of the one game against Clemson. Randall Knorr, serious question that I've been wondering for a while. Does playing Navy's offense every year hurt the defense overall since it's such a curveball from what they normally see? Uh, only if there's injuries, Vince. I mean, to me, I kind of think it – been for years. Yeah, about, you know, not any bad Navy ones. Game. Right. Well, especially since they got rid of the perimeter cut blocking. Right. I sometimes think it can be a good thing because it gives you a week to kind of change things up and get your guys refocused and you know, kind of get out of your norm and get out of your routine. And it, you know, Yeah. You know, so sometimes they can be a good thing, to be honest with you. It just depends yeah. on how you handle it. It's like with anything. It's how you handle it. Yeah, D-Rock Irish, quick slant, short pass over the middle. The problem with slants are Drew Pine does not see the field really well. And you do not want a guy throwing slants that does not see the field really well. And I don't mean seeing it like, oh, he's a six-foot quarterback. I mean, he just doesn't see the field well in ways that other six-foot quarterbacks can. And, and that's a dangerous route to throw to a guy who doesn't see the field well, Vince, in my opinion. Yep, because you're throwing agree. into something that you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a super so chat from Nick step. Lane. So easy. What's that, Vince? It's, it's so easy to step underneath a slant, and if you don't oh, see yeah. a guy, and it just a lot can go wrong. That was that was my so my first start of my career was against Chowan College, and I'd come off the bench to previous games and, and played well, but got to start, and it's like I said, it's a whole different attitude. And I tried to throw a slant route. My first pass was a slant route. And I dropped back, and I saw my guy coming in, and I went, whoop. I was like, oh, I didn't see that linebacker coming out. Because I just, you know, it was like it was just that mindset. You know, it was an experience and all that. I mean, I didn't make that mistake again. And I do want to say, because I say things to make myself look bad, I did throw a 31-yard game-winning touchdown pass with less than a minute to go to win the game. I just want to just point that out there. Okay, and my dudes were lined up wrong before the snaps. So I had to get the re- receiver to the other side of the field. Then I threw the touchdown pass. But my first pass was beautiful. Hit the guy right in the chest, right in the numbers. This is the wrong just, guy. He was wearing number 57, and, you know, so uh, wasn't my dude. <laughs> so it's a thing of beauty, you know. It's a thing of beauty. Bet most accurate interception uh, you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> Right the point the is, in all seriousness, I didn't even, I never saw him until the ball was out of my hand just because I everything was going 100 right. miles an hour on that first series. And you, know, you settle in and you're fine, but yeah, you don't want a kid not seeing the field real well right. to th- be throwing a lot of slants. Yeah. Nick Lang with a super chat. I'm so dang damn excited for next year and all the recruits coming in. Thanks again for all you guys do. Nick, you are very welcome. And you know what? You should be excited. It's, yeah. it's, it's a different era. It really yes. is. They're they're doing some really fun and exciting things from a it recruiting standpoint. There's no doubt. Sid Irish. So I had so I'm always getting on Sid because he always says things that I disagree with or that are negative. <laughs> so when he says something I like, I want to bring it up. And I, I love this idea. Pull out alter, alternates for USC. Whites with green numbers, a la Sugar Bowl 1992, and also similar 
to kind of similar to what they did in the Cotton Bowl in nineteen in two thousand eighteen. Although, did they have green numbers? I thought they just had green cleats and gloves. I'll have to go back and look that up. I think I don't think they had green numbers, but I I think the green was all the cleats and gloves, right? But uh, yeah, Vince, I'd be down with that. Oh, I'd be hundred. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite. I wouldn't even call it an alternate jersey, you know, but because it's not like completely alternate, it's my favorite away jersey that Notre Dame has ever worn, ever. And yeah. I love that jersey. I love the white with the green numbers. We were correct, Vince. They did wear the normal. They just had the yeah. green cleats and gloves. Yeah, but their jerseys were blue. Vince, I I have said this. Tell me if you agree. I would actually not even have that be my alternate. I would have that be my road jersey. Mm-hmm. I would make Me the too. road uniforms from Notre Dame green numbers. Flat out would. Yep. Not an alternate. That's your that's your numbers. That's your or that's your that's your road jerseys. Absolutely. Flat out. Yep. Flat out. Completely agree with you. So I love I that look. Too. I would too. I love that look. Yep. All right, here we go. Brian Denbo, how close is Dante to being another Spencer Rattler? Very different. Number one, I never thought Spencer Rattler was that talented. Just my opinion, I never was high on his game. Then you hear stuff about him personally, and you're like, yeah, it's not. I don't think Dante's a bad kid. I just think Dante has a very domineering situation around him. Correct. And he doesn't have the personality to step up and say, uh-uh, this ain't happening, like some other guys do. Doesn't make him a bad kid. Doesn't make him have an attitude problem. I've never heard anything about that. Matter of fact, most kids love Dante. Yeah. Most recruits love Dante. That's why so many kids wanted to come play for him. Right. Completely different type of kid. Now, could he end up busting like Spencer Rattler? Sure. But for completely different reasons. I think Dante's a good kid. I have no issues with Dante. I just think Dante is just not – he was not willing to take control of his own situation. Right. And you know what? I know a lot of 17- and 18-year-olds that weren't willing to do that. Me too. But that's just the reality of it. Jay Carr, is Rocco Spindler going to start at guard, be a starting guard next year? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he'll battle. Maybe. Yeah, he'll be one of the people up for it. I mean, because you figure Kristoffic, you figure Billy Shrouth, you figure mm-hmm. Rocco. Those would be my top three off the top of my head. Michael Carmody, possibly. Okay. Um, Charles Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Ty Chan. It's going to be. Ty Chan's one. Yeah, it's going to be a competition, which is what it should be. And there was another question. I don't know if I start it. It's very not. next one. Yeah, way too early. But any thoughts on next year on the interior line next year? And that's this to John Erickson's question. Same yeah. thing, Vince. It's yeah. Turner's locked down as long yes. as Zeke's healthy. I agree. There's going to be a big battle at guard next year. Big one. Yeah, it's going to be fun big to watch, one. though. And and somebody asked if next year we need to worry about there being a three to four game learning curve. And to me, the answer is no, because you've got now consistency at the coaching position. You're, you also have Navy and Tennessee State to start off with. Well, it's a little bit that. different. There's I think every offensive line that's replacing more than one guy has somewhat of a learning curve. Yeah, It's just not going to be as stark as this year where you had new guys and a new coach. Right. They don't have to adapt to the new coach. To, this is the point Vince is making. They don't have to adapt to the new coach the way they did last year. Right. And I the coach is part better. of it. And I, the coach I, I is think back. That, yeah, I think right. that's part of it. And you had was, dudes moving around. Right. right. And he was having to make some changes from a fundamental standpoint. And you were starting from not only did he have to erase some stuff, but then he had to yeah, start. He had to from de- there was some deprogramming yeah. going on. Absolutely. Yes. And so they don't have to worry about yes. that part of it going into next year. And I think that will allow them to be better earlier 
for sure. And and you're right. The schedule lines up better from a competition standpoint, right? You can make yep. mistakes and get away with it. That's right. Okay, let's go. We've got a couple more here. Milton fan, does 2023 Notre Dame offensive line yep. have same issues? Is this that the one you're talking one. about? Yeah. It takes two to five games. It didn't take five games to figure this out. It took two and a half. Took two and a half. Yeah. I mean, they started to figure it out second half against Cal and against North Carolina, they dominated. You know, do they start out Joe Moore style? I mean, look, with all due respect, I could find a lot of years in the Lou Holtz era where Notre Dame didn't come out of the gate the first couple games playing yeah. lights out football. Everything is better, right? When, when, when we, get, the further we get away from it, you know, I don't remember John Elway throwing an incomplete pass from my childhood. I know he threw a lot, <laughs> but I don't remember him. You right. know what I mean? Like, um, this history in your head. Yeah. My mind of my favorite player when I was 10, he never threw any incomplete passes. I don't remember Tony Rice throwing, but a couple incomplete passes when I was 10. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I think they'll be fine to your point. So, sorry, I keep starring stuff. You can, it's okay. Me. It's okay, man. <laughs> hey, you're, hey, you're the one I'm worried about needing to get out of here. I'm fine. Uh, you know me, I can go yeah. all night. Uh, <laughs> Vince is like, we don't get to do mailbags very often. This I is felt. fun. Uh, SB, Brian, how much time did you spend at Young's Dairy while you were at Wittenberg? Not, I don't remember ever going there, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I was always so dang busy, man. They worked me like a dog. And back <laughs> then, Vince, we didn't have uh, we didn't have digital film. So I had to cut up the film, get oh, in yeah. my car, meet the GA yeah. for the other team halfway, and exchange the film. Yeah. And you know how much gas money they gave me when I was at Wittenberg? Bam. Bam. None. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. I, uh, I learned a lot of football for, from Joe Fincham, but I, I also learned how how not to treat people. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but the OC that we had there was a really cool dude, a guy named Scott Isferding. I think he's at Ohio now. He was a really good dude. I liked him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was – man, I didn't have time to do hardly anything. So, back then, man, it was uh, rough. It was way different work for Mike Donnelly because he always tried to take care of you. It's just every coach is different, you know. Yep. Savage Cyan Fitness. So, how much of a percentage do you think Kenny Minchie will commit to Notre Dame after decommitting from Pitt? I'm, look, I'm not going to put a percentage on it because this is that kid's moment. But like, what what I'll say is, is this is kind of not hidden. He didn't decommit to reopen his recruitment. He decommitted with a purpose. Now, Notre Dame just has to make sure that things go well sure. on the visit this weekend. But I mean, he decommitted with a purpose. And that's, I mean, that's, and that's usually the case at this point. Everybody can, yeah, everybody can kind of read between the lines what that means. That's not a hidden secret. That's right. just kind of the thing. Kind of the yep. Thing. I like that. Uh, Mike Huff, I don't think Zeke's locked. Zeke, Zeke is so good it's locked down, not by a long shot. I mean, agree to disagree. It's not that he's so good. Film, it's, he's, 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 a, he's, he's a veteran. He's been pretty good this year after the first couple games. And there's nobody else that's a better fit there. That's, I mean, that's just going to be better. There's no other center. You're not going to take Zeke out of the lineup to move a potential guard to center. I, I just think Zeke's been a pretty darn good football player most of this year. So Mike will have to agree to disagree, but we do appreciate the chat. We are not Marshall. What's crazy is the 2023 roster will be uber talented, yet we still have a major question mark in the, in the QB room. It's way too early to say that. First of all, he thinks Tyler Buckner sucks. So that's never going to be a, a oh, start man. conversation starter with him. But number two is how can we possibly say – how can I possibly agree or disagree with you when I don't know who's going to be in the quarterback room next right. year? Right. 
You know, like if CJ Stroud says, you know what, man, I really love those golden helmets and I can't see myself going pro before I get a chance to wear the golden helmets. Well, okay, we have a different conversation, right? I mean, how do I know who the quarterback's going to be next year? Could there be a chance that there's a major question mark in the quarterback room? Absolutely, there's a chance uh, because of the unknown. But let me see who they get to transfer first before I just assume it's going to suck. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, let's, we're not even done with this season yet. And and we're already assuming next year's quarterback room is going to be bad. Beefeater with a question says, Brian, does the quarterback's grip on the football for a pass depend on what he is comfortable with? I've seen some people throw the ball with the index finger uh, close to the point of the ball. Well, those are people that have giant hands, usually. Uh, If I would have put my finger, because I don't have very big hands, if I'd have put my finger on the back of a football, I'd have been throwing the balls and went like this a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? It would be like a. But you look at like Trey Aikman, he'd have like. Two and a half fingers on the laces, and his finger was like all the way back up because he had giant hands. Right, and you can see you know, the spin but, on uh, it. But even guys with the same hand size, you'll see five guys with the same hand size that grip the ball differently. It's just what they're comfortable with, what they grew up, how they grew up throwing. You'll do some minor tweaks to a guy's grip, but you only tweak a kid's grip if it if there if there are issues that come from the grip. So sometimes your grip can create an inconsistent release point. Sometimes your grip can cause the ball to come out of your hand in a direction that makes it hard to catch. Like I, I didn't mind catching balls that sailed a little bit because I could go up and get it, but I hated balls that would dive. Like some guys would throw balls with the nose down. Those were harder to catch for me. You know, like nose up, I could grab that because I could get the fat of the ball. But I always had a hard time like, okay, how am I supposed to get this when the nose is down? Uh, you know, some some can cause you to throw deep balls inconsistently. Some can cause, cause you to throw short balls inconsistently. Yeah. So if a grip is causing execution mistakes, consistent execution mistakes, or inconsistency from a release point standpoint, then you will adjust it. But if a kid's got a funky delivery and he, but he, it gets the job done at a high level, then I don't care. Right. You know, um, Steve Spur is really bad about that. Like Steve Spur would make every quarterback grip and hold and throw the ball the exact same way. I just, I'm just not that way. Milton fan 15. I think this is the last one, Vince. You see any more that you want to star? All right. Not you got a little star happy. Love it. What's the word on a meal? Is he a contender next year? A guard? Could he start a guard? Sure. He could. But I don't he's think more of so. a tackle right now, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think he's probably what we know now. As of, as of right now, he still has a long way to go in the weight room. But I'll tell you, people love his athleticism. They love his strength yeah. and they love his compete. That's a big thing for an undersized yeah, kid. You absolutely. gotta know a young undersized kid is has got a high compete level. And from what I've been told, and it's been a while since I've asked, but early on in his Notre Dame tenure, they loved his compete level. Mm-hmm. He gets after it, he's just undersized. So I think he's probably gonna need another year to, to get in the starting lineup. I think you groom him. Here's the other thing, too, Vince, unless he's just so good that like, dude, he's clearly one of our, our best five, like right now. I think you want to leave him a tackle and groom him behind Joe Alt. Right. Let's be honest, folks. You're going to get a you're you've got about at three. Let's just say perfect world situation. You've got seven, six, 17 more games left of 17. Joe Alt at at most. Yep. You know what I mean. And that's yep. three this year and, and fourteen next year. A decent possibility of the right tackle being right. the same way. So, so you might barring have injury, tackles. enjoy these next seventeen games of Joe Alt. And so you want to make sure that Emil Wagner is getting a full season of tackle work, not playing guard, and then you try to move him to tackle unless unless he's clearly one of your best five. Yeah. That's the exception. 
that's the exception. So here we go. Vince, here's, I believe that's going to, okay, here we go. Here, give me that one. And then we'll, uh, I think we're good. Okay. Brian, who will be the higher draft pick alt or Fisher? Uh, you know, I mean, right now, alt has, I think more going for him from a, his dad was in the NFL. He's, he's more long. advanced. He's more advanced yeah. technically, I think, than, than Blake Fisher. Blake Fisher would be looked at as more of a project at the moment for the NFL. Yeah, but he's not even draft eligible to next. I mean, well, and that's the thing. you're saying. A right. year from now, we may be having a completely different conversation. All I can yeah. go on is where they're at right now. Right. It's it's all right. But if they were both going into the pros this year, it's clearly alt. Yes. I think I think both have top ten NFL draft pick potential. I think yeah. Joe Alt's closer to that potential right now. I think of the two right now, Blake is going to need the extra year if I needed to project yeah. one. Because of like you said, Joe Alt's more advanced because Joe Alt, his dad's a right like ten wasn't he like a ten year NFL veteran as an offensive lineman? Long enough to get a so pension. he's a little bit he's yeah. a little bit advanced there, right? Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is Blake, the light could go on for Blake next year, and and all of a sudden he becomes a star. So right. you know the the thing for me is Vince is I could see Joe Alt being a higher pick next year if they both come out, but then Joe Alt being pick number eight next year and then Blake coming back and being pick number five the next the year, year where he yeah. wouldn't have gone you know what I mean and the other thing too Vince is need yeah you know and 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 some teams look at a guy and say hey we love this kid more than others for whatever reason and you fall in love with him I mean there's so many things could happen on where guys get picked where right you know like if Quentin Nelson doesn't get picked at six in 2018 it's not a guarantee he gets picked at seven by the next person Right. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Yep, so uh, it just it just depends. It depends. So and and then also how people project Blake. Somebody said in the, so there's gonna be some teams that project Blake as a guard, and they're just yes, they're not gonna have him as high. But teams that view him as a tackle are gonna view him higher. But yep. Joe is much closer to being that type of player right now than Blake is. But Blake has enormous upside. He's just absolutely Blake's he's not as close. And last question, Vince. From Keith Wigan, do you guys think Notre Dame oh, can get to 28 commits in the 23 class? Yes, they can. Will they? Probably not. Where are they? At but now? if the right combinate, they're at 23. Okay. They want a quarterback, one more skilled player on offense, uh, another offensive lineman, and then an athlete is what they're tar- shooting for right now. Uh, so be 27. Maybe 27. If the right guys jump on board, they can get to 28. But it just is going to take. It's going to take. It, it, as of right now, if you were to ask a Notre Dame coaching staff, who will it be? Well, they'd say, no, we can't get to 28. But there will be kids in December that say, hey, I'm not coming back next year. Right. And that that will then say, hey, okay, we're in, that, that they weren't. Because here's what happens. There are certain kids you know aren't coming back. Okay, you know Jared Patterson's not coming back. Right? You know you know um, Josh Lugg's not coming back. You, I mean, there are certain guys that just can't come back. So you take them off the 85, right? Then there's guys that you know we're not bringing back. We're not bringing this guy back as a fifth year. I'm not bringing that guy back as a fifth year. You know, there are certain guys say, look, there's six guys that are NFL draft eligible. We're going to kind of assume that we're going to, you know, save room for three of them. Yeah. And then if all six of them go, then, hey, an, an extra spot or two open up. Some of those spots right. are going to get used by by transfers. Some of those spots are going to get used by uh, fifth-year guys. But the other thing, too, is they also, by that point in time, Vince, will have a better chance of a, a better feel for who's going to be in the portal. And that may say, hey, look, we're not going to go to 28 now because we want to use that spot because this kid's in the portal. Right. 
that we didn't think we were going to have a shot at at this particular position. And we'd really like to use that spot now because we didn't think there'd be a kid in the portal that we could get at that position. Now there is. Yeah. So there's so much more to it now than there was before. But and you've 28 got is an signing option. days, and you've got yes, just things happen between those two signing right. days, and yeah, 28 is possible. It's not what they're shooting for right now. They're shooting yeah. for 27 right now. It's some things that have to happen between now yeah. and December 19th, or just in February. The first was it Wednesday of February before we would get there. So now that is it, Vince. That's the end of our show. <laughs> Okay. I'm glad we did the mailbag, Vince. You and I both said before, this is going to be a short show. Yeah. Because uh, I just didn't want to talk about Navy anymore. Yeah. But once we got we in the mailbag, man, we're having some we fun. Up, so. We ended up doing 90 minutes of the mailbag. Yeah, we're so. like, this is going to be a short show. We're like, maybe 30 <laughs> minutes. We'll do mailbags on upon further review. And then by you know we got into it. And somebody said, any chance Keon recommits, y'all, just listen. It's not happening. Just, <laughs> just let it go. It's okay. I know it's the dream. And trust, there's nothing I would love more than for Keon to come back. Would love it. He's a great kid. He's a phenomenal talent, but he's not coming to Notre Dame. He did. for the same reasons he decommitted Notre Dame. I hope. I'll say this: there's nothing I've ever predicted that I would like to be more wrong about yeah. than me saying there's no way Notre Dame gets Keon Keeley. Nothing would make me happier than to be wrong about that because I love that kid. I think he's a yeah. great kid, and I think he's a tremendous talent. It's just not happening. It's right. just not happening, folks. So, but I hope. That I'm proven wrong. Yeah, no that. doubt. I'd love for yeah. you to be wrong on this one. Yep. Yeah, me, but I'm not, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm not. All right. So, everybody, hit that like button. Hit the notification bell. Subscribe to this channel. Share the podcast. If you're listening via podcast format, give us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And check out the merch store. We've had a lot of people buying merch the last few days. There's a lot of cool nice. stuff. Uh, uh, I got a couple new really items cool that I'm going to add. Up. Yeah, really for cool Vince. Up. I got a couple. Uh, it's a it's an Adidas pullover with an, yeah. a, an embroidered ID lo IB logo that's going to be so on the store here very that. soon. So you know, Christmas I'm going to probably add some new stuff to the store. You know, just some you know some things that we have that I'm going to add to the store. So definitely check that out. If you're not a member of Irish Breakdowns message board and you want to get merch. Wait till you sign up for the message board first, because if you sign up for the message board, you get a 10% off discount. If you are a monthly, if you sign up for a monthly membership, if you sign up for an annual membership, however, you get a 20% off discount for your entire, per oh. your next, your entire next purchase to the IB store. So for Vince, I'm Brian. You will have a great night. We will see you again tomorrow. One o'clock show. We'll have a six o'clock show. And then tomorrow night, depending on when the mm -hmm. college football playoffs selection show is, We'll have a third show to find out where Notre Dame is ranked in the college football playoffs. So we are not going to have mesh tank tops. <laughs> I so, had to laugh well, at that. Your best part, they now have like the the jumpsuits. Remember when we were talking up. about the, the, the Irish Mafia? They now have joggers, like jogging that. pants and jogging. So my wife's like, you got to do it now. You got to do it. I was like, no, we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. Come so on. Anyway, I, for, never mind. For Vince, I'm Brian. You guys have a great night, and we'll talk to you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>